1: You know, when we were talking about going to that monastery, it's like, to me, the idea of a three-year practice, it's the depth of it, right? Like, it's that you get to go quite far into it. And so far, the place in my life where I've had the great gift and opportunity to go far and go deep is in entrepreneurial stuff. So that, you know, once you're in a certain track with that, it keeps <laughs> to sure. be, there's sure. more to be deep here, and I would be such a novice in the other practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that it's that thing: is where am I going to reach the greater depth and the greater challenge?
2: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast with David Nickturn on the Be Here Now Network. My name is Michael Cammers, your host and monologist. On behalf of all of us here at Be Here Now and Dharma Moon, we sincerely hope this podcast finds you as well as can be, and we are grateful that you are joining us. Here at CSM, our guide, David Nickturn, discusses how to lead an integrated life involving spiritual practice, creative expression, and right livelihood with guests who embody and manifest these principles in their own life. And boy, we've got a juicy episode lined up for y'all today. We have Justin Evans with us, who is currently the COO of PlayFit, an AI-based fitness app that gamifies health and exercise. Justin is also a Buddhist practitioner. He studied with David and been a member of our Dharma Moon Sangha. So in this episode, we really hear the two of them diving into the complexities of being a business person and entrepreneur, endeavoring to have one's activities in that arena align with spiritual practice. Interestingly, this discussion was recorded in October of 2022 before we had a short break at the podcast. And since this discussion, ChatGPT has been launched publicly and profoundly shifted our relationship with technology and AI. So it seems that this pod being released at this time is very synchronous with our current conditions. Themes discussed in this episode include ethics, karma, and interdependence and how they relate to what Justin refers to as the Promethean bargain of tech entrepreneurship, the complexity of bringing heart into business, Tantra and its relationship to creativity, and also building microtonal musical instruments. Since Justin has worked with David one-to-one, there are also some great questions from Justin in relationship to all this, leading to some really warm dialogue back and forth between host and guest. Speaking of working with David... Have you considered taking our Dharma Moon 100-hour mindfulness meditation teacher training? Would you like to deepen your own practice while cultivating the ability to lead others into an informed and effective mindfulness meditation practice? Well, we have our next round of teacher training coming up. And if you would like to learn more, you are invited to a free online info session on February 14th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time with the esteemed and erudite Professor Robert Thurman as our special guest. Head over to dharmamoon.com to sign up for the info session. And if you can't make it on February 14th because you have some kind of romantic previous engagement for some reason, it's all good. Sign up anyway, and you will receive a video of the info session via email. And I get it. As a professional musician years ago, I had a recording session on Valentine's Day, and I'm pretty sure the relationship I was in never recovered. So perhaps we can all learn from the follies of my youth. And speaking of love, if you're into loving awareness, you should check out all of the podcasts on the Be Here Now Network. While romantic love, or eros, as the Greeks called it, is only one star in the constellation of love, we can learn from the vast store of wisdom of our ancestors and lineages and tap into that timeless, primordial nature of unconditional loving awareness that is our true nature. And a great way to do that is to head over to www.BeHereNowNetwork.com where you can hear Ram Dass' legacy of loving awareness continuing in our Mahapad Sangha. So please check it out. Okay, so here's some quick biographical info on Justin and then we'll get to it. Justin Evans is co founder of Lander.com, a company that used machine learning to unlock great sound for all music creators, which gained over 1 million users in three years of being live. He's been interviewed in major media, including the New York Times, Boston Herald, Vice, TechCrunch, Billboard, and Music Radar. He has guest lectured at Stanford University, Carnegie Mellon University, and more. He's been featured as a panelist at South by Southwest, A3E, San Francisco Music Tech, and more. And currently, he is the head of product and COO of PlayFit, a startup that is dedicated to gamifying motivation to help people lead healthier lives. All right. There you have it, friends. The table has been set. It is our pleasure to share with you Episode 40 of the CSM Podcast, Entrepreneurship, Technology, and Spiritual Practice with Justin Evans.
3: Okay. Uh, Welcome, everybody, back to the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast. Uh, Today's guest is Justin Evans, who's actually probably... One of the most qualified people I know to address all three dimensions of our of our weave that we've been trying to thread together. So um, I met Justin before I met him actually through software that he had developed. I'll talk more about that. But um, and then he uh, is a you know dedicated uh, Buddhist practitioner as well and an entrepreneur and a very creative person. So, Justin, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to see you again and to have you uh, for an hour.
1: It's great to see you again, too, David. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an
3: honor. So um, I think I should just share with people how I first encountered you, which was um, I didn't meet you. I met your AI. And people (laughs) kid around about this, but I'm not kidding around in this case. Um, The the, um, software that you developed was called Lander, L-A-N-D-R and i was working on a project a music project with my partner matt oystriker and he said let's try this new uh mastering software that's all a- ai driven and online and we used it for the project and we would just plug in the songs we send them down the line to um you know to to the site and they come back mastered <laughs> and you can tweak it for like you know different styles of music and for different intensities of the mastering eq and i've been doing this a long time as you well know it was good it's a great job and and uh, you know so you were the creative director for that company um and it was the first ai that i've seen or heard for for the mastering industry is that is that right is the first
1: I mean, I think we were probably one of the first mainstream adopted AI tools, period, in the creative industries. Like, we were really uh, early, definitely the first major AI music tool, um, and really early across the whole creative spectrum.
3: So, um, and how long ago was that?
1: I think we launched seven or eight years ago now.
3: Okay. So, yeah. Has that has that part of the industry accelerated since then? Is are there other people trying to do the same thing, or how's I it going? Mean, There's some
1: there's some really interesting stuff happening right now. Like I saw, I'd, I'd say the angle that I'm the most excited about, or where I'm seeing really exciting stuff emerge, is semantic. You know, the equivalent of uh, there's these tools like Dolly or uh, Midjourney. That where you type in text prompts and it creates imagery, visual images that are mind-blowing. Like it's it's incredible. You can literally say, like a photorealistic uh picture of a Mike Kelly installation in the mountains, and you, it'll generate that. And it it's astonishing. Like, and this is revolutionizing visual art and really controversial, really wildly uh, people are up in arms some people are using it lots of like NFT people are making NFTs with it it's like a super interesting uh, new thing in visual art I I see a couple days ago Google released a semiotic kind of music engine that's really interesting and I think probably the place where I think that's going to have the first really big impact in music and I'm really excited about it I feel like it's going to revolutionary is doing that for samples so if you want a drum kit and you're like i want a a chick korea drum kit uh in a big room with uh and you get uh you know a beat like for a j dilla you know beat and you can semiotically create these mind-blowing uh samples and and i think that we're really headed towards that being a realistic possibility in in the short term
3: yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure for you also, but the different people, my larger sphere, some people are kind of like, no, nah, it's going to ruin everything. And other people are like, bring it on, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm Which definitely on the second side of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's complicated because I think it, you know, I used to do a lot of talks um, in when when I was developing Lander. And there were people who really, really violently hated the idea of, of Lander. And, Oh. and and they they get quite attacked some really famous people that really hated it too from the industry and and it was revolutionary you know it, it i think and there's some really positive consequences and negative consequences of it i think that there was a raft one of the things that weighs on me heavily about the consequences of it was there was probably a good chunk of young engineers that were selling mastering services for 10 20 bucks online Mm. that was a bit of an industry like you know and people could make a living doing Mm. that and Mm -hmm. we definitely wiped that out and i put people out of work and and Uh software put people out of work so i feel like there's definitely a negative thing there that i that i that is complicated that i think every ai maker wrestles with um Mm. i also think though from the craft and artistic and you know, Lander was an adaptation of. I think the reason Lander worked is because the world has gone from, you know, th- when, when you think about what mastering meant on when recording was wire or when it was, uh, you know, shellac versus disc versus album versus singles on Spotify, you know, or or on Sound on SoundCloud, which it was when we launched, you know, and and thinking about what is the world what does master need to mean in this world and what does it do and what, like, you know, evolution of an art and an evolution of a way of thinking about what the current needs of something is. And I think it's really, you know, for me, there's some really exciting, great stuff that comes with it. So there, it's a bit of a um, Promethean bargain, you know, like I think that there's, (laughs) I think that there's stuff that AI is going to make, I was just hanging out with a really amazing uh, Indonesian visual artist that I know, uh, and he was showing me this crazy portfolio of AI imagery that he was making for uh, NFTs. And I was just floored by it. Like, it was just mind-blowing. And I was like, this is really exciting. And you see what someone like Nate does with this, where Nate's like taking, um, you know, these AI generated images, then pulling them into Photoshop, then doing video with them. And like these things are just creative tools, right? Change the game creatively. And for me, this is there's a democratizing aspect of this that I get really excited about. One of the things that I loved about Lander was that as an experimental, very uncommercial musician, getting the kind of quality that Lander beat Grammy Award-winning engineers in, in blind shootouts, you know, and like getting that quality of mastering for my tracks. Wow, was impossible. Like, you know, never in a million years would my music sound that good. Yeah. So, you know, being able to solve that problem for all the musicians that don't have the kind of budget, you know, sure. it's really exciting for me too. So and you're to really,
3: Justin, you're really kind of um, uh, n- nosing your way into the kind of ethical dimension of of being a, an entrepreneur, or being a creative person, which is a very interesting topic these days because I think... Mm-hmm. People are not willing to leave that behind, but at the same time, things are moving along. And um, uh, ethics—how um, do you frame your ethics? Where do you derive your ethics from? Would you define Ooh. yourself as, as an ethical person?
1: Um, hmm. this is a tricky question. Like, I, I think it. Uh, I I would want to know what anybody meant when they said that word before I said yes or no to it. So you know, what if you said what you what? What what
3: if you say what you meant by it? What do you mean by um, ethics? I
1: think so. To the point of uh, Buddhist practice, like I think that there's a a very deep interdependence of of your actions in relationship to other things and. The, the Promethean comment earlier probably came from, uh, an awareness of that or an engagement with that of thinking about, um, both the, <laughs> like, I think about the heart sutra in relation to this, like both the, the, the massive implications of all of our actions and the complete unknowability of what the consequences of them will be. So it's a, my ethics comes in a, or my ethics are a, uh, I would say a, a very humble relationship to both sides of that
3: coin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so maybe um just concern for interdependence, like just even tracking interdependence, right? That things ripple and they have cause causality and understanding karma. When you say sort of in a way, understanding a bigger picture of how karmic interactions work and what the impact of things is,
1: and yeah, with also a big humility around yeah. uh, the lack of ability to actually have the ability to see that so (laughs) and, and ambition at the same time right like it's like there's this excitement of especially with the kind of tools like ai and and what's possible digitally and living through a couple generations of the promise of digital tools and interconnectivity on the web and seeing it devolve into a you know um or not necessarily develop, or, or, a, a ramification of it being a surveillance state and lots of really complex mm. things that are not good, you know, and, uh, and privacy being kind of almost wiped out like it, it, there and all kinds of wonderful things happen. And I think a lot of the web three conversations that are happening right now also are kind of filled with promise and Promethean danger and, Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of it's it's the excitement of the sets of possibilities and the humility of realizing that you may not know what you're unleashing
3: when you do it. Well, you you know, Justin, when we were talking, you know, more frequently a year or so ago on, about various things, um, what one of the things that struck me about you is that you kind of had developed your uh, the notion of maybe going to where was it Thailand or, or someplace. Yeah. Uh, and and just becoming a renunciate and a um a, a pure buddhist uh monk Thai yeah. style practitioner that's on the one hand you know the other hand like you're diving headlong into the uh the current zeitgeist and the um uh you know um the the entrepreneurial energy and the mm-hmm. kind of tech energy and um and thinking very big about that stuff you know mm-hmm. so it, and if you remember in our conversations, I was I was saying like what what if you put those two things in a blender? What do you come up with? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you come yeah. up with is what you come up with.
1: <laughs> I mean, they're always in the blender, I guess. You know, yeah. like I don't know how you. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's a really interesting <clears throat> thing because I'm not sure how you can ever separate
3: them. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah. Well, by the two choices in lifestyle. For example, if you did go to was it Thailand you wanted to go to? I don't remember.
1: Yeah, it was yeah, it was Thailand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: and now so there's a a, a a parallel universe in which we're not we're having this conversation, but you're in a monastery in Thailand and I'm saying, so how's your practice going? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That seemed like a real option for you, wasn't it?
1: It's still I mean it still is on the table. It's I, <laughs> I got pulled into another entrepreneurial venture that I feel really positive about. It's kind of stuff that it's trying to do. So it it's kind of sucked me away from that. But but it feels like it it is as a really interesting thing. It feels like it's challenging me in the same ways or uh at the same frequency, maybe is a better way of putting it that 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 kind of experience would challenge me and is asking a lot of the same kind of growth that I'd look for from an experience like that. Mm -hmm. So so, you know, there's the blender again. And I would feel like, you know, it's almost like, it's interesting, it's not dissimilar to the ethic question. Like, it's like, there's a a commitment to a certain kind of practicing of things and hopefully the chance to experience great depth in those experiences. And, you know, when we were talking about going to that monastery, it's like, to me, the idea of a three-year practice it's the depth of it, right? Like it's that you get to go quite far into it. And so far the place in my life where I've had the great gift and opportunity to go far and go deep is in the entrepreneurial stuff. So that, you know, once you're in a certain track with that, it keeps up. <laughs> <laughs> sure. There's sure. more to be deep here and I would be such a novice in the other practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that it's that thing is where am I going to reach the greater depth and the greater challenge, you know, and trying not to be spiritually greedy with that either,
3: you know. Yeah. What is it that you're challenging?
1: What's the challenge? You mean in the in the entrepreneurial stuff right
3: now? No, period. You know, um, it sounds like you're looking for a challenge to me. If I just sort of vetted what you just
1: said. I mean, I think that there's a, I'm uh, like a pretty solid Spinozist. Uh, uh, desire to live in constant good faith and growth you know like growth yeah i mean i think growth is pretty much i mean practice or you know spiritual evolution growth mm-hmm. um, like and trying to meet that in, in a karmic way of like what where, like authentically oh, i hate the word authenticity <clears> though but trying to meet it from a uh a genuine place of what your life is presenting you or your karma is presenting you or whatever mm-hmm. and find the, the, the path that's the deepest and richest to kind of keep moving.
3: I often have been using the word cultivation instead of practice that's lately.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, I like
3: that. And then each practice, you know, people think, oh, I'm meditating and it's all one thing, but it's not all one thing. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a quite a plethora and variety of techniques and methods. But what is being cultivated? You know, what is, what are you trying to strengthen? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in our, you know, Dharma Moon emphasizes the mindfulness as the sort of foundational practice, but we've mm-hmm. gone quite a ways from there in terms of we have a whole track, uh, which Ethan Nickturn is teaching, uh, on a year-long Buddhist studies course going deeper. And um, I also want to take a track where people are going deeper into the kind of thing we're talking about. How do you bring this stuff into the world more?
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: mm-hmm. And, and then people can follow their, you know, follow their inclination for a while. Um, so <clears throat> mindfulness, you know, has, you know, sort of, and we I did this with the yoga world too. It hit a certain sweet spot in the culture. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of blossomed to a certain point. Uh, and then I, I can almost see all those people like they got on a boat, they went over to Queens. You know, I'm looking at these and now they're in Queens and you go, "Well, what, do I, what am I supposed to do now? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that's the conversation that's happening pretty vividly among people I'm talking to is, OK, now what? You know, mindfulness and now what? And, you know, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. friends, my friends at Headspace, uh, w- which I have quite a few students from that environment, uh, and I guess I've shared this in private. I don't think anybody's going to take me up on it. I said, the obvious sequel is HeartSpace.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Why wouldn't you just start the next company called HeartSpace? Because I think that's where yeah. people are, are looking to go. You know, um, I, I throw these things yeah. into, the, into the wind like dandelions, but, um, you know, um, HeartSpace and, and you said interdependence and connection and karma and, and, and how, you, you are concerned that you're putting people out of work potentially with the, the AI development. Um, uh, that's for, the, uh, that's the heart that's concerned. That's not an intellectual concern. Mm-hmm. That's a heart concern. So how do you bring heart into
1: business? Very precariously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's maybe why this is still a, a path that's really um, compelling to me. I think it's uh, it's a very complex question, especially because, I mean, what does it, you know, in, in business you're confronted with, Tremendously difficult. I joke. I was training. There's a, a a person I'm mentoring who I've just watched grow immensely from being uh in a low level service job to being head of product for a startup, and that I've been involved in that path with that person for a long time, and watching them just blossom, and talking about leadership in business being a constant game of you know those those ethical exercises where you're like. You're standing on the train track with the lever, and one one train's going to hit the uh, cardiac surgeon that will save eight thousand people, and the other way, all the ten people on the uh, on the train die and hit a wall if you don't pull it. So, you know, and heart in relationship to those kind of questions is an immense growth opportunity spiritually. That's filled with a lot of. Difficulty, it's a hard path. And when you're making decisions, as a I think the reason that a lot of people don't like being in business is because it can, it, it confronts you with many situations where the options are tremendously difficult and, and you're faced with multiple dilemmas that are all overcoded by the need for shareholders to make money. And it's the the place for heart in uh, in business is is right in the middle of that mess, <laughs> and, and very 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 deeply engaging with that mess. Yeah, uh, uh,
3: you know, I do think it's the question of the time. Personally, I mean, I was I, it's mine anyhow. I'm you know sort of having this kind of conversation because you can see it in, um, you know, heart leads towards altruism, and you know. People who are very successful tend to donate to charities and things if they are so inspired that's that the nonprofit model is the model. That's where I'm going to put my heart. But when it's mm-hmm. business, people use the word like killer and we killed it and we you know it, it's like mm-hmm. it's quite milita- military in a way and and um, mm-hmm. sport sports likes and analogies. So the question is, can you be in a game? <laughs> and I'm thinking of Little League, Justin I'm going all the way back to the Little League. <laughs> And, and, you know, some parents are like teaching the kids to just like, you know, completely go after the win. And others are saying, let's have fun and let's be good sports. And, th- and and I think that's what grownups are doing. They're figuring out, should we be good sports? Should we have fun? Should we be kind? Uh, or should we kill it? You know, should, we, should we dominate? Should we be powerful? Uh, should we, um, control, you know, and it's mm-hmm. almost, it's almost like the masculine and feminine energies in a way. Um, if you if you look at things that way, yeah,
1: I mean, I I don't know if like you know I don't know if I would agree with that so much because I feel mm-hmm. like it's uh it's it's uh it's too reductionist. Like mm-hmm. for me, there's something like a lot of the the really inspiring entrepreneurs I know or people I know that are you know, like, trying to think of, like, understand that these are very complex sets of relations. Like, what is the, I think that, like, thinking a lot about what the outcome of what your product is in an interdependent way And seeing the larger picture of that means that sometimes you will have to be a killer to get there, but the larger outcome for the world is better. Mm. And that there's passages filled with great hazard along that way. And that, you know, there's parts. It's so I was thinking about that in prepping for this, like where I'm like trying to reconcile my practice with the work that I do. And the work I'm working on right now is this really lovely very generous project that's got really great ethics and and is very kind and kindness is kind of baked into its dna but we still have go through passages with it where i have to fire 10 people or i have to take a decision that has really intense consequences for certain employees or whatever and so kind of walking through all of those navigating all of that with i just don't think there's a way that. There's an existence that can just be not dealing with difficulty, complexity. There's like a good conversation that happens in the entrepreneurial world where people talk about wartime CEOs and peacetime CEOs. And this is a, a very common kind of thing. And what's interesting is every company, even uh, you know the Cancer Foundation or even like things that have exclusively great reasons, in their life cycle will need a wartime CEO. And so how do you you can't in, in the current project that I'm working on training the the leader and the founder to have different instincts than he has naturally because the company won't survive if he if he doesn't, you know, and, and making that and seeing that growth and seeing that person become stronger and more like the outcome the really beneficial outcome they're trying to create have a greater possibility of succeeding. So it's it's a little bit, it's it's quite a juicy, complex
3: thing for me. This conversation, and, and probably for lots of people, uh, you at a certain point, if you really enter the arena of the, of all this, you're going to have to enter the nuance and enter the complexity of it. From the sideline, you can have a you know a reductionist point of view, uh, but okay. when when you're you know in the field, so to speak, and engaging the energy, so. Um, you know, I thought as you were talking about that, there was a uh an anti-war protest about twenty years ago, I think, in New York. Huge. Um, don't even remember what war.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 and um, you know, there was an Israeli guy there who was the um I think they were called um nicks And but he was a uh like mm-hmm. a Green Beret level guy in the Israeli army and, and he was just basically saying Peace is not the goal. Peace is the way. Mm-hmm. And I found that interesting. Like, uh, for people mm-hmm. who are having this conversation to go, yeah, maybe we make this move because it gets us closer to that thing where we can have a more expansive, like I can have billions of dollars and help out build dams in, uh, Central America mm-hmm. or whatever. But, you know, paying attention to the way, um, a- as you're doing that, um, Seem, seems to be important. that's what came up in my mind you know that you mm-hmm. can't you can't put that off you can't put the way off in in terms of future consequences
1: yeah i mean i couldn't agree more and it's it's how like i i think that that goes that cuts even deeper in the sense that when you are in the difficult the most difficult positions of these of running businesses of um you know, growing businesses that the way, you know, I mean, there's some really great examples of this. Like, you know, Patagonia is such an inspiring company and so mind-blowing. And they've had all kinds of challenges through the history of that company. And you look at the outcome of that company and how it's moved and how every step of the way the decisions have been really, um, really, really profound. That there's like, it's really that That is I think a great example of that, but I also think that they've had tremendous struggles and had hard decisions to make along the way and it's actually more um to me the 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 quality that I aspire to or or which I have not achieved yet by any stretch of the imagination, but like what i what I want and why this has as much value as going to the uh the monastery is that learning how to Participate in the way when you're in the middle of the most difficult situations is the work, you know, and that's the, the incredible work. It's really yeah. I, I have a lot I have a lot of growth to do still on that count, but um it's it's nice growth to try.
3: Yeah. You know, my latest uh musing, which is by usually weekly because of something that pops out of the zeitgeist or the news. It's just that recognition that the wealth of this world is controlled by a very small group of people. Yeah, it's it's an you know for anybody who's got any political social sophistication, I'm not saying anything that that intelligent here. But at the same time, it dawned on me, kind of, it cracked my it cracked into my mind, and I thought, wow, like um, you know something like top two hundred people own as much wealth as the bottom fifty percent of the population. I don't remember the exact statistic, and I thought, well, that's who you want to talk to. I mean, and I, so I, I was on a podcast and I said, here's my email address. If you're a billionaire, um, you can, you can write me an email and, uh, and we can talk about, you know, meditation and I won't charge you anything for it. (laughs) No charge. (laughs) Because, you know, Yeah, not that meditation in itself, you know, and there's, I I don't want to promote any kind of particular tradition or any by, but just some kind of contemplation, uh, practice for people who have accumulated so much power and wealth would be. And then for people who have not accumulated it, some kind of uh, user's guide to how to accumulate some of it and use it effectively. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's been my, that's been my dance, um. You're you're as I said a perfect fit for it. When we first met, I went like, "This is a CSM guy, if there ever was one," and uh, uh, you know. So I've always looked forward to our conversations about it.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah.
3: So how is your practice these days?
1: <clears throat> it's a uh, it's 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 a good. It's been really. It was interesting. I went through a period of super rigorous practice. Stayed in that for. A very long time was really missing being part of a, a, a community, you know, and and maintain my practice without a community for some time. Found um, post pandemic that the community aspect dissolved a little bit, and and then, but uh, as this project got more and more consuming, right. my 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 practice drifted a little bit. And got into that kind of terrain of of really complex stuff. Had to work quite hard at changing some things in the organization, and and my practice got eaten alive, and and I really abandoned it. And I I and it's really interesting to me. I've been kind of was actually really curious to throw a question back at you about this. I feel like there's one place where. now I'm back in my practice it's great again too which is really interesting and I wonder this about creativity and spirituality because the part where I abandoned my practice was when I needed to be the most creative and the most and creative in a slightly I would say dangerous way in a way that wasn't sustainable for a long time but needed a a kind of excess or a, a kind of like drive level that was that i felt almost was contradictory to my practice and this is an interesting thing i've never ever like always the peak creative periods in my life my practice has suffered and i've never been able to like kind of have a the i'd say like the manic level of creativity that's really fueled some of the success in my life and a practice work at the same time but the practice afterwards, oh, my God, it saves my life. Like, I need it. That's really good. i through one of those phases. And I don't know if that's a fiction or if that's a truth, but that's been a really interesting thing about the arc of the past, say, 12 months of my life.
3: So, yeah, and I, I've <clears> – <throat> you could say I've felt this, you know, from our last conversation. Uh, you yeah. know, it's the tone of this, what you're saying right now, was, was fairly, um, let's say, evident. Um and I had just one thought, you know. You, you know, we say first thought, best thought, right? Mm. Remember that? Yeah. So as you were saying that, I had here was the thought I had, and I'll just give it to you the way it came out of the oven: tantra.
1: Mm.
3: <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. no, I didn't. Con- I didn't yeah. really shape that thought, um, but you know, Buddhism yeah. is not really um, comprehensively. You know, that's what we're trying to do is give people a comprehensive package of it without them going down the rabbit hole of like, okay, now it's 15 years to become a Kenpo in this tradition. And that's not even, you know, thats like that that would be like a college level of teacher in the Buddhist tradition. But the Mm -hmm. three yanas, you know, the Hinayana and the Mahayana Mm -hmm. and the Vajrayana, um, Vajrayana method really emerged from a group of practitioners in India who were called Mahasiddhas. And they were very worldly people. There's a you know, you can read about the 84 Mahasiddhas, and one of them, Tilopa, is the founder of the Kagyu lineage of Tibetan Buddhism and and several other lineages. And he was a crazy guy, not and not in monastic context at all. And the person who had to deal with him was Naropa, who was a college professor type of guy. So that interface, archetypically, is I think very interesting for us as practitioners, where you go, everything's nicely packaged. Makes good sense. step A leads to step B, Step C leads to step C. the outcome of of, of uh, mindfulness meditation, resilience, clarity, stability. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, you know this makes sense to to work in stiff. you know what I mean? It's just like mm-hmm. you could you could present that now what if what if you entered the realm of energy though, as mm-hmm. it naturally expresses itself with the premise that uh, the individual practitioner is not going anywhere? There's nowhere to get to. Right now, you are there. This is it. And um, that kind of quality of mm-hmm. like abrupt, uh, We, you know, in Shambhala, we call it suddenly free from fixed mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And there's a whole plethora of techniques for reminding ourselves that something, an energy field is immediately available to us on the spot at any mm-hmm. time. And it's it's like flipping a switch kind of quality. Now, without the grounding in the mindfulness practice, it's not going to be – people can get very um, spun out and tripped out. But with that proper grounding and then most importantly proper grounding in Mahayana so that you dedicate the merit, you feel um, the heart is really – you don't ever just – you know, you never lift off above that level of compassion um, and you dedicate it that way. But then there's a lot of other meditation, quote-unquote, techniques that are available to rouse energy. Uh, a kind of sense of fierceness and um creativity. Um and you know what it's um I think I told you this but when I was in Bhutan and driving on those crazy roads there uh mm. and then going to these monasteries, I was reading somehow I was reading Ray Kurzweil's book on Singularity at the yeah. same time. And awesome. I, and I, I've always, as you know, because we we've been friends, I, I I've always been interested in virtual reality, AI, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um and And then I was going from that notion into these monasteries, which were like a hundred feet high, covered with tantric deities uh in all and Rupa's statues and uh you know, mm. rituals that are going on that would be kind of like somebody would go, "Look I didn't read about this at headspace." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's really like going into the energetic dimension of life and the immediate quality of it. So yeah. that's when, you know, just, I'm just telling you that word came into my mind while you were talking about, it, for, you know, not, not just for you personally, but for all of us to consider the possibility that, um, right. what we're cultivating to some extent has, uh, access points right now for us. If yeah. we could, if we could see it that way, but it I can't, it shit can't shit trump is- the, it can't trump the compassion. It can't, if it does that, then you have a warning sign. Yeah, for
1: sure. And I've seen, you know, like you, I've definitely encountered a number of people who who are on that trip, like where they've lost track of the Mahayana Mm. and are deep into a kind of other space. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting too, because people, yeah, I have a good question for you like that when you, when, when you run into people that are in that space and they are recognizing that they need help, but they're very resistant to it because they also feel and there a couple of different people in my life that are really deep in that kind of space. And then also feeling like they've unlocked the secret, you know, mm. and they're triumphant and they're on a super power trip with it, but are also really obviously suffering. And, and mm. you know, how I, I'm, I'm curious if you have any advice on how to, how to like advise people that are in that kind of space. Cause I, I feel the suffering and I feel the, yeah. the immense amount of compassion towards that, set of challenges and really don't know how to communicate across that sense of power that people are having you know or like of, of this very ego kind of experience yeah. with that
3: well yeah ego getting its hands on the tools of enlightenment is called rudrahood you know and there's yeah. a there's a whole kind of classical archetypical story about that but really what you're talking about I think fits into you know. Remember awakening from the daydream and the six that I, the book that I yeah. wrote and the six realms. Yeah. You're really yeah. talking about the god realm and the jealous god realm, as yeah. far as as far as that. For and uh, what is it? Each realm of Buddha is doing something different.
1: Yeah, I was trying to remember. Yeah, yeah.
3: but the human realm is um, the one where the most direct dharma teaching can happen. So people yeah. are re- recognizing they have some poignancy, some passion. They recognize. Success, failure, life, death, yeah. uh, you know, and, and um, there's more fluctuation in that fluctuation. It's easy to insert new information, but the gods have stabilized a certain amount of pleasurable outcome and the jealous gods have, have intentionally. Uh, sought to stabilize you know that outcome whether it's psychological or or or, or yeah. metaphysical or 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 materialistic and it's very hard to talk to them <laughs> that's yeah. why that's why i freely yeah. gave them my email address because i know they're not going to write <laughs> 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 you know and and that's yeah. challenging some people you know present the spiritual uh and traditionally those people have been you know uh um, donors or or patrons. If you mm-hmm. look at a, a a great uh you know one of these um whole monastic systems, they'll have people like that who are patrons, but they're not hardcore practitioners usually
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
3: so everybody could give but yeah how you how you teach Dharma to somebody who's um will reframe it as uh victory instead mm-hmm. of surrender
1: mm-hmm.
3: anyhow, that's my thought on what you said i, I hope.
1: No, it's great.
3: Yeah. Great. Um, what is the project you're working on now? Can you say uh, it's,
1: it's? Yeah, it's called PlayFit. It's uh, the idea is there's some really terrifying things happening in the world. If you think about the millennials um, with people's physical lives, so if you think about millennials, they were the first generation to grow up with the internet. The generation below them has grown up with the mobile internet and colossally addictive stuff in the palm of their hand and the health implications of that have been disastrous so we have like all kinds of spinal problems in young people we have obesity rates that are higher in 20 year olds than they are in 50 year olds we have you know um like unbelievable diabetes stats in young people and so um a couple of really smart people, my ex-CFO at Lander, founded a company with a physicist in Montreal, John Guimet, who and they're both just the greatest people. And and they, uh, I was advising them from early on, and they built this really awesome thing that is basically the general principles of it are... Um, let's take all the tools that we have for getting people addicted to flipping through things and liking mm. things and doing whatever to get people to move and to get people to be embodied and to get them to start being physically active. Well, that and, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of the goal of it is, is we, and it's great. We use machine learning. Like it's a, it's another AI project. So like, you know, how, if you think about how Apple's fitness stuff has made, um, you know, people much more aware of their steps and and stairs and all of that stuff because it tracks it automatically. Well, machine learning can do that for pushups and sit-ups and dancing and breathing and whatever. And so we train all these models on basic physical activities that anybody can do anywhere without needing a gym, without needing a Peloton, without we make the whole world a Peloton. So like basically yeah, you, You can use your body and the phone to do activities and get rewarded for them. And we build this whole reward cycle in, make it a game, make it fun. And we use the AI to effectively track people's activities and that's a dangerous word to measure or or like we don't keep any data about anybody who's super ethical about the privacy stuff. It's incredibly important to me. Um, but we, we help people learn and grow. And then on the other end, the AI also understands you as a person and understands mm-hmm. your activity and builds mm-hmm. a personalized coaching program mm-hmm. for you. that yeah. sets the bar and changes as you're having, as if you get COVID and your activity drops, it sets it lower again.
3: Yeah, it's, it raises it's,
1: it as you're doing stuff.
3: It's clear. It sounds clear as a bell. Um, You know, uh, just, just you, the light is about to, Bleach you out Just I don't know if you are seeing Your own image there, <laughs> yeah, so, just,
1: there Which sure, I was
3: I I, To be honest I was digging it You know So um, <laughs> <laughs> But But uh, It was about to take over You know Oh I You know When I uh, Do the podcast You know Yeah Oh Justin Yeah He dissolved into Light At the end of the podcast <laughs> So um, Don't come on The podcast Unless you're ready To dissolve into light, dissolve
1: and, and, light. And,
3: Yeah So That's such an Interesting sounding project And make the whole world Your peloton is, a, is That jumped out at me as a catch line. Some version yeah. of that is, is cool. Now, what's the name of the company again?
1: PlayFit. PlayFit. Play and is it yeah. is it out yet? Is, is the, yeah, it's on iPhone. Uh, we we just made uh, a major, major upgrade to all of cool. Um, I think the next release is going to be even more exciting. It's really great. Uh, you can get it on the Apple Store. Uh, Android will come eventually. But it, I highly recommend uh, picking it up if you want to move more. It's great. It really, yeah. helps everyone just move And more.
3: what did? Uh, are you the CEO of the company? Are you the creative director? Are you a marketing guy? What's your role?
1: I think my official title is COO, so I'm in charge of everything, basically. Like all the like, um, I I direct the product. I kind of. I do everything except for kind of the fundraising and, and mm-hmm. larger scale stuff, which is what John does. Yep. And John runs the tech team. It's a, not in Lake Lander where I was the product design thinking, and Stuart Mansbridge was the uh, was the uh, technical director. Great, brilliant technician and te- technologist. I love mm-hmm. Stuart. He's with a great company called Subpack now, who does really cool stuff. Um, and uh, John is the technical lead, and he's he's a physicist that has a patent in quantum computing. He's amazing genius, brilliant guy. Um, and I basically am running the product and marketing and, and all that kind of... Well, that
3: sounds, that sounds like a very full-time job. Is that a very full-time job?
1: I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of hours in the day, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's busy. Yeah, definitely busy. And
3: the company's private or... or-
1: it's, it's, uh, we just raised three million, three point something million. Uh, we have outside investors. We're doing another round in probably six months. Um, if everything goes to plan and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting little, little project. It's nice to take all the AI stuff I learned. And yeah, I think after Lander trying to think about a bigger market and that's mm-hmm. the outcome of the, the benefit would be larger, you know? And so like yeah. finding something where we could take what whatever in there and have, it's cool at scale. Like, you know, if we get to 10 million, a hundred million users, we'll have a meaningful effect on morbidity rates. You know, we'll have a meaningful effect on hospital bills. We'll have a meaningful effect on healthcare costs in the U S and it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to try and do. Yeah. Very, very, very challenging. And, mm-hmm. and but, but
3: wonderful. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, well, what do I know but it sounds like a home run to me. There's something Not about it.
1: We.
3: Well, it kind of it kind of falls out, you know, you hear people start talking about something you go like, you know, it kind of falls out gracefully like a slinky starts going down the steps on its own, you know. You know, yeah. when you drop a slinky down a flight of stairs yeah. it goes furk, furk, next step. I mean the biggest the biggest thing for me that I love about it is that
1: we get People writing in reviews that are like, "This helped me after I had COVID, mm. Oh my God." Mm-hmm. We get people we we have people saying they've never had motivation to move ever in their lives. We see in the stats, people come in and they move 500 percent more after three months of working with yeah. us. Pretty, and it's just like just seeing that and knowing what that means. Sure. For a body and seeing the people that were, that are using our app go through that journey is like it's so satisfying, it's incredible.
3: I I just starting to roll with it, you know, like just like an ad like you still have a body. You know, you show some kid yeah. the, you still have a body. Now maybe yeah. two hundred years from now, maybe you won't, but right now, you know, um it, because people are being sucked into a vortex yeah. right now, that's very mental space, uh, you know, and and even sitting meditation, you gotta relate to your
1: body to do that hundred percent. And I mean, you know, for me, the meditation practice and also my wife's teaches this really right. incredible training system called gyrotonic. Like the, I, I actually believe that intelligence is also embodied and that mm-hmm. your physical, you know, which goes back to yoga practices, everything, you know, like, but the body can't be separated from the head. And, mm-hmm. and I'd say one of the larger projects for me of, or like, one of the main drivers for why I feel really passionate about play fit is that getting someone from not moving to moving or moving very little to moving enough is the biggest hurdle. Once they're moving enough, then they can do yoga, then they can do gyrotonic, then they can do whatever. And that's such a smaller gap than not moving to moving. And so helping people at the, at the very bottom of that process Feels revolutionary to me, and really, really something I feel really, really
3: passionate about. I I don't remember the name of the movie, animated film, very popular Disney film, in the future, um, just piles of garbage on the earth, and and the people are in space, and they're these little fat little doughy bodies with little in in little uh, you know uh-huh. hover carts with the computer in front of them.
1: What was the name of that yeah. movie? Do you was that is that Wall-E? I'm not yeah, Wall-E. 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 No, Wall-E. Wall-E. Wall-E.
3: Uh, that's yeah. what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a perfect image for it, you know? Well, and I think, you know, also for me, karma-wise, like being involved in having a lot of my success grow with the early internet and AI and stuff like that. Yeah. It feels really important to be part of uh, leveraging those tools for the benefit of, yeah. kind of you know, the Mahayana kind of way. Like that feels incredibly important to me
3: sounds good really does sound good yeah very happy to hear about it it's a it's kind of a compelling project and you know me i get you know i get excited when you know when i feel that energy gathering in 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 a good way so there's one other piece of the puzzle which people don't probably most people don't know about you is that you're a musician also well
1: yeah kind
3: of well okay
1: you you own so much i have so much respect for people that i consider musicians at a higher caliber than me that i'm yeah, Not willing to take that mantle on, but I've, I made a lot of music for a number of years.
3: You own some instruments in any case, right?
1: I, I own some instruments, yeah, yeah.
3: And any, any outlet for that at the moment or any chance to play or do some creative music?
1: You know, I was working on making an instrument and, and I've been t- tinkering away at that for a long time because I really love microtonal uh, drone stuff. And the idea of making a microtonal uh, uh, glass harmonica is something I've been really, really fascinated with for a long time. And so uh, I've been noodling around with kind of getting uh, actually Tibetan bowls made at very specific mathematical frequencies, and trying to like build harmonic sequences out of out of these bowls that then eventually could be put on a rotator and. And done, it's it, it, it kind of impossible to do what I want to do with glass, which is why I wound up put the bulls because the frequencies get so intense that the glass will explode and it becomes a pretty, <laughs> very uh, dangerous instrument. You know? so, so, trying to figure out how to make it work with metal, and it's like it's, it's been a long I've been playing around with this idea for about four or five years now. And it's, the, it comes, gets more serious when I have more time, and less serious when I have mm-hmm. less time. And it's, uh, the sound's really beautiful.
3: And your wife has a really cutting-edge dance troupe. Is that still happening?
1: Yeah, she's killing it. She's doing a bad choice of words. She's uh, so yes. <laughs> she's, she's, she's loving really, it. <laughs> uh, she's loving it. She's making really incredible work. She just yeah. uh, created a, a really phenomenal piece during the pandemic, uh, two big things during the pandemic. One was a series of seven films um, that was the genesis of was Missing, collaborating with new artists that you'd meet when you'd be at festivals or, mm-hmm. or as co-performers. So she just decided to pair up three people that she knew independently of each other um, to make these short films, short dance films, and got people to collaborate across the pandemic, across cities, across the world, made seven films called Jump Cut and the series- Wait, call, called Wait, called what? Hard to jump, jump Cut. Jump Cut? Jump Cut. Jump cut, yeah, like yeah, uh, jump like cut. Editing. Okay. And that series was shown at the Club Transmedia Festival in Berlin, and they built this really beautiful installation space for it. It was fantastic. Um, and then she also created a dance piece. They rehearsed outside during the pandemic. It was unbelievable that she pulled this off this large scale dance piece. They were doing rehearsals in public parks and stuff so they could rehearse. Mm -hmm. um you know during the whole just like her commitment to making stuff is unbelievable and uh it just premiered last year it's called creation destruction um it premiered in toronto in this beautiful outdoor park and now the piece it it has a string section and a choir 10 dancers these amazing collaborators Mm -hmm. united visual artists from uh, london who built this mind-blowing screen it's an incredible piece And they just got some great news that it's going to get booked for Centurion and uh, continue on. And what's the name of her company? Animals of Distinction. Animals of Distinction. Distinction.
3: Wow, that's bold.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, she's bold.
3: Yeah, she's (laughs) bold. (laughs) I'm sure she captured your attention at some point and and never gave it back. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Well, yeah. how, how cool. I mean, you know, we haven't really talked in maybe a year or so. So it's uh, for purely selfish reasons. When we thought of people having the podcast, I said, well, this will give me an opportunity to catch up uh, with Justin yes. and, and get current. Um, But also I do feel that your, your, um, the arc that we've covered in the conversation uh is, is very germane to what I was hoping to, the energy field I was hoping to connect with, with CSM, you know, creativity, spirituality, making the bug. Mm-hmm. And in the cover, if you remember, they had them, the, the <clears throat> three people. One was a monk, one's a musician, and one's a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. And the artist rendered it as they were walking up the hill towards the monastery. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, turn them around. They're walking down mm-hmm. from the monastery. They're reentering the phenomenal world with mm-hmm. some kind of sense of bringing that into fruition and into manifestation level. And definitely, you know, um, not that I want to, <laughs> you know, frame your life in terms that are like easy for me to, to, uh, resonate with, but it, I think it's a fit that you are really yeah. trying to put those things together. Um, and so the monastery thing could be for a month or yeah. three months. That, that's, I think yeah. that that's something we start to experiment with, um, like temporary ordinations and things like that. You know, I went to a three month yeah. seminary at the peak of my career in the seventies. I was doing a mm-hmm. lot of scoring and stuff you know that people will start to like go okay i could do some deep practice um and even a weekend or or a week-long practice and then re-enter yeah yeah so the last thing i want to say to you is that you know the um the three-year retreat you know which is a famous um um, Mm
1: -hmm. you know
3: vajrayana retreat you know is um three three years three months three days and um supposedly at the end of it you know you've gotten a lot of um High-level uh, instruction, you could say, in terms of the mm. n- nature, quality of mind, how to work with uh, energies, and so forth. But there's a phrase that captured my mind when people came out of it, and it's called entering the action.
1: Mm.
3: And at the end of the three years, you're supposed to be able to seamlessly enter the action. You mm. just you you are no longer distinguishing between this. Uh, this, you know, it's one yeah, taste yeah. is officially it's called one taste, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, you know, I think this is something that uh, uh when you gauge somebody's kind of quality of cultivation, realization, do they turn it on and off? You know what I mean? Or, or are they comfortable entering different situations and uh and become embodied with the kind of qualities mm-hmm. that they've tried to that they tried to develop? So you know, um, you're always welcome at Dharma Moon. We think of you as part of our expanded ecosystem uh, really? and part of the sangha there. We, you know, so you're always welcome.
1: I miss it. Yeah, I miss it. I, I think I'll have to come visit. I miss it a
3: lot. Yeah, yeah. You, you you have a you know, open invite to come join in and um, Playfit was the company. I think people mm-hmm. could check that out and and get a get. I, I I feel like that's almost a perfect example of what we've been talking about. You're actually yeah. trying to generate benefit. You can do it in a way as you go that is compassionate and smart. Uh, so, congratulations on that. It sounds like a really great project.
1: Thanks. It's uh, such a pleasure to catch up with you, David, and I look forward to more. Yeah, and I'd love. I also want to say that, like, the idea of this podcast, attending the CM, the the creativity, uh, spirituality, and making a buck workshop. Was fantastic, and both in seeing, you know, one of the things I really admire about what you do is, is you were meeting all the participants on at the level they were coming to the to the event with. I think it's a really tricky thing to do, and I think it's incredibly important because often with those three poles, you know, one of them is really strong, and the other two are really weak, or and it's always a different mix with each individual and. Seeing the way you and the team were able to nurture and support people's uh different relation to those polls was really inspiring. And I mm. think the work you're doing with that is mm. really great and it's mm. a lot of value. And so I just yeah, but in in honor of the the topic, I think it's that workshop's really great and it was really nice to participate in it. Really inspiring. Thank you. so lot.
3: Yeah, thank you so much. And hope to see you soon. And uh thanks for thanks for joining the podcast. Um and everybody out in podcast land will we'll see you again soon.
2: All right, folks, there you have it. Episode number 40 with Justin Evans, Entrepreneurship, Technology, and Spiritual Practice. We would like to thank Justin for joining us and generously sharing his time and wisdom with the podcast. And we would like to thank all of you for listening. We sincerely hope that this podcast is a benefit to you. That's our aspiration. Also, big thanks to Justin for that shout-out for our CSM workshops. I'm not sure if we have any on the calendar currently, but keep an eye out at Dharma Moon. We do those workshops about once a year. Uh, Also, friendly reminder that this podcast is based on David's book of the same name on Wisdom Publications. So if you're looking for some personal development in bringing these three threads together in your life, I highly recommend the book. Um, And if you're going to do the book, Get the workbook that's a part of it and do the journaling. Uh, It's a really good exercise for insight and shifting our behavior and relationship with ourselves and others. All right. My cell phone just went off, but this is a one-shot take here on the end. And again, go to BeHereNowNetwork.com, go to DharmaMoon.com. Thank you to everybody at Be Here Now for continuing Ram Dass' legacy and your assistance in the production and distribution of this podcast. If you like this podcast, tell your friends. Share on social media. Give us 11 out of 10 stars on whatever platform you use and a positive review. Say hello to us on YouTube. I don't check the YouTube comments super often but I do sometimes and if you have a recommendation for a discussion with David and I or for a guest shoot me an email at K at dharmamoon.com well all that arises must dissipate and we've reached the end of this podcast so all of us here at Dharma Moon and be here now sincerely wish you all the best thank you for listening may you be happy, safe, healthy and at ease All the best.